Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. Again, we're podcasting a Bible study every Sunday morning at this time that the Sunny Slope Church of Christ meets in our building for Sunday morning Bible classes. Now, we know that people in our area in Omaha, Nebraska, but also across the land, across the United States and around the world, they want to be in a Bible study. They want to learn more from God's Word, but they're not able to be with us in person at the church building when we meet together for Bible classes. Now, different reasons for that, but we understand that that can be the case. But they still want to be in God's Word. They still want to learn God's Word more. They want to study more. They want to hear God's Word taught. And so we're thankful to have the opportunity and the ability and the means to be able to teach God's Word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the Internet and by means of these podcasts. And we're thankful that you're there and that we can be here with you through these podcast Bible studies, helping you learn more from God's Word. Since faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, our continuing to be in His Word, studying and learning more, helps us to grow in our faith and be closer to Him. Now, we know that there are people out there who need to get into God's Word. Some of them, maybe they read the Bible a little bit, but not very much. Maybe others And you know these people. You know people who they just need to get in God's Word. They either need to get into it more often in a deeper way or else they're not even in God's Word at all. Help them. Help them to get to heaven by getting them into God's Word. Again, faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Romans 10 and verse 17. Share these studies with them through Facebook friends, text messages, and other technological means, with your family members, friends, work associates, neighbors, with literally everybody you can on a regular basis. You may help somebody turn their life around and get to heaven by sharing these studies with them. What a great blessing for them, but also a great blessing for you. Also tell everybody you can and take advantage of this opportunity yourself to get into our website, churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Click on the podcast button and sign up for our podcasting. Now, we keep emphasizing it's free. It always will be free. We don't ask for donations from people we're, who are who are clicking into our website, who are trying to learn God's word more. That's not what we're about. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help as many people as we can get to heaven. And so when somebody signs up for a podcasting, they will automatically receive on their smart device our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, a daily radio program Monday through Friday called Search the Scriptures, and a short study every single day, seven days a week, called Today's Bible Class. Only about 13 or so minutes each day, but it gets us into God's Word for a few minutes every day. And we can usually work out 13 minutes or so into our busy daily schedules. It keeps us in God's Word. So tell everybody you can. Take advantage of it yourself. Again, it's free. It always will be free. If you're in the Omaha area, we encourage you to come and study God's Word with us in person, worship God with us in person, grow spiritually with us. Check us out. 
Get to know us. Let us get to know you at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ. Our church building is located at 3606 North 108th Street. 3606 North 108th Street right here in Omaha. And again, Bible classes begin at 9.30 on Sunday morning, followed by worship at 10.30. Sunday evening at 6 o'clock, we come back together for another period of worship and Bible study. And on Wednesday evenings at 6.30 each Wednesday evening, we come back together for midweek Bible classes. A good time to set our busy schedules aside and get recharged spiritually, so to speak. We hope to see you if you're in our area and you're able to be with us. And if you're not in our area, or maybe if you are but you can't be with us because of some kind of physical problems or whatever, we, we look forward to continuing to be with you through these podcast Bible studies and tell others about them as well. We want to get back into our study from the book of Deuteronomy. For quite some time now, we have been working our way through the first five books of the, of the Old Testament, the first five books of the Bible, called the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, understood to be mostly, predominantly, written by or written down by Moses. Now, again, guided to write what he wrote by God through the Holy Spirit, as Peter tells us, because all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. That is, it is God-breathed. It is God's very Word. And so in Deuteronomy, we find Moses pretty much at the end of his mission to lead the Israelites out of Egyptian bondage and to the Promised Land. Now, he'd already led them to the Promised Land one time, shortly after he led them out of bondage in Egypt. When God and, God, and again, God commissioned him or told him, instructed him, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go confront Pharaoh in Egypt. I want you to tell him, let my people go. And then God told Moses that Pharaoh was not going to relent. He was going, not going to let the people go. And so God was going to bring judgment upon Pharaoh and upon the, upon the Egyptian nation. And God did that through a whole series of plagues. And God also destroyed at least a great deal of the Egyptian army when they pursued the Israelites after those plagues and after Pharaoh said, okay, to Moses, okay, take the people and get out of here. But then his heart hardened and he got the army together uh, and they, they pursued the Israelites and God led the Israelites across the Red Sea on dry ground, splitting the waters. And when the Egyptian chariots entered into that channel, that dry land, then God covered the, wa the, the, the walls of water back up on them and destroyed that army. Well, Moses then, once they got to Mount Sinai, God began giving them the law, and then Moses led them to the southern border of the promised land, the land of Canaan. He sent spies into the land, 12 of them one from each tribe. They come back and two of, the, two of the spies, Joshua and Caleb, said, great land. In fact, all of the spies initially talked about what a wonderful land it is, a land that flows with milk and honey. They brought samples of the produce of the land back to show the people. But when it came to making the decision and telling the people, let's go, we can take this land, we can possess it, God will give us the victory, 10 of the spies changed their tune. And they turned the hearts of the people of Israel as a whole. 
Joshua and Caleb said, no, no, we can do it with God's help, with God's strength, with God's blessing and deliverance. We can take this land. But the other 10 spies said, no, nah, no, it's a hard land. It's, they've got big cities. They're fortified. They're, they're mighty people. They're giants live there. Well, the people listened to the 10 bad spies. I think we can call them there, call them that. The 10 who had the weak faith, and they did not listen to Joshua and Caleb. And God brought judgment upon the people. So he told Moses, turn the people around, go back into the wilderness, and you're going to lead them through that wilderness over a period of time whereby all of the adult generations from 20 years old on and up will die in the wilderness. Well, that was a 40-year piddling around in the wilderness, period. 40-year period. So now in Deuteronomy, that period has come to an end. Their children, their grandchildren now are the adult generations, and they're poised on the eastern bank of the Jordan River, ready to cross into the promised land. And so in Deuteronomy, Moses is reminding them, he's rehearsing, he's going back and, and, and reminding them of, the, of their history up to this point. And he keeps warning them, here's one thing you need to keep in mind. You stay obedient, faithful to God. And that's certainly something that we need to keep in, our, in the forefront of our minds today. Stay faithful to God. Follow his commandments. Live obediently before him. And one particular, one particular warning and instruction that Moses kept re-emphasizing to the people along this line was, you don't take any part in the evil that those people who are living in that land right now are taking part in, and particularly the worship of idols. Do not get caught up in the worship of idols. In fact, Moses said, and of course this was Moses speaking, or God speaking through Moses, Moses said, you don't have anything to do with those people. You either you either destroy them in battle or drive them out of that land. Don't enter don't let your children enter into marriages with them. They'll become the thorn in your side. In those intimate personal relationships, they will turn your hearts and they will lead you into the worship of idols. Moses kept emphasizing that. And of course, God was the one who is really the one giving the emphasis. He was just using Moses as a spokesperson. Now, as I said, I'm skipping over a lot of the laws and a lot of the details that really are not really uh, easy to just, they're not really conducive to a really, uh, you know, interesting, grabbing your attention, holding your attention, you know, kind of Bible study. And so there's a lot of technical laws in there and a lot of technical stuff in there that, that I'm letting you read on your own. And I'm skipping from text to text, section to section, where I think we can relate to some of these situations, these, these instructions in our lives today. So I want us to begin this, this uh, today in chapter 21 and verse 18. And here, if you have a 
Bible that has like sub, that has like uh, highlighted titles between particular context to scripture sections that move from subject matter to subject matter. And again, I'm letting you read a lot of that subject matter that comes across kind of feeling more technical and, and you know, won't hold your attention as well in a Bible study kind of setting. Then, you know, I'm, I'm, this particular section might be entitled The Rebellious Son. And it's interesting, some of the laws that God gave to the Israelites in these Old Testament times through Moses that we look at today and say, uh, sure glad I'm not living back then <laughs> in that time. The rebellious son, if a man, verse 18 of chapter 21, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them. We see any of those kinds of children out there today? <laughs> All the time, don't we? You ever find yourself in a public place, maybe a grocery store or, or some other public place, maybe some other place of business, and you've got children who, who are just, you know, they're loud, they're rebellious, they, you know, they you know, can't keep themselves under control, uh, maybe they're, you know, disrespectful to their parents, maybe even their parents are not really paying much attention to them, letting them kind of r- just run rampant, so to speak. Well, here... Moses is telling the people, if a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and who, when they have chastened him, will not heed them, in other words, not paying attention, not going to follow their teachings, their, their instructions, their guidance, then his father and his mother shall take hold of him and bring him out to the elders of the city, to the gate of the city, and they shall say to the elders of, of, of his city, This son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. Then all the men of the city, all the men of the city shall stone him to death with stones. So you shall put away the evil from among you and all Israel shall hear and fear. Whoa. Aren't you glad we don't live in that particular time under that particular spiritual law? You see, God was instructing if you have rebellious children and they just absolutely will not temper their behavior, they will not obey their parents. And particularly he throws in here, and so you might get the impression that this is probably an older son, uh, he is, uh, he is a, a glutton and a drunkard, then you take him to the elders of the city and, and they'll stone him to death, execute him by God's instruction. Now, we might say, well, that's, how can that be the, the instruction from a loving God? How, why would he tell them to take their son or their daughter out there and just have them executed? Did you, did you get here at the end of verse 21? So shall you put away the evil from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. The idea is you want to you keep sin out of the camp, so to speak that expression. You don't want to let evil flourish. In our nation right now, we let evil flourish. Now, (laughs) I'm not suggesting in any way that we start talking about executing our sons and daughters if if, if they're disobedient to their parents. Again, I'm glad we don't live under that law at that time. I'm glad that we live 
under the grace of the gospel of Jesus Christ today, New Testament times. We live under that law, but that law still requires our obedience. But now just think about what we see all around us. You know, we see a teenage boy, 15, 16, 17 years old, and he is shot down by police in the face of a robbery that he's committing. And his mother and his father talk about what a good boy he is. He's just such a good boy. He's holding an automatic weapon in his hand. He's been shooting at the police. He's been trying to rob a business. And they're talking about what a good boy he is. You see, we keep trying to gloss over not just irresponsibility, but outright wickedness. Parents, so many times, in so many cases, are not being good, responsible parents in the way that they're rearing and raising their children. The parents are involved in all kinds of wickedness, all kinds of wickedness. The kids grow up seeing that. Have you ever known a family who had maybe three or four children and they had two or three different last names? It's common in our country. And again, the rebelliousness of youth out there today? Children need guidance. They need discipline. And so this kind of behavior, Moses is saying, this is evil, this is wicked. God wants you to put the evil out from among you, away from you. And all Israel shall hear and fear. In other words, all Israel, all the people, the nation, will learn the lesson. But we keep trying to excuse not just misbehavior, outright wickedness. We try to make it look okay in some way. All kinds of sexual immorality out there in our land today, just as common as can be, and, and, and people just accept it as being normal and good. You used to see a man and a woman who were living together outside of the bonds of matrimony, and you understood that was, that was wicked, that was evil, that was sinful. It was often called shacking up. Now, parents give their blessings to their daughters moving in with their boyfriend or their sons having their, his girlfriend move in with, with him. It's not okay. It's not righteous. It's not godly. And when parents give their blessings in such cases, it's not demonstrating love for their children. It's demonstrating a lack of responsibility in parenting. And they're opening the door even wider for more and more sinfulness and wickedness to become a part of the lives of their children. We move on to verse 22. If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree. But you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. 
We're talking about criminals here. We're talking about people who have committed grievous sins. Now, notice this beginning with chapter 22 and verse 1. You shall not see your brother's ox or his sheep going astray and hide yourself from them. You shall certainly bring them back to your brother. And if your brother is not near you or if you do not know him, then you shall bring it to your own house and it shall remain with you until your brother seeks it. Then you shall restore it to him. You're talking about respecting the ownership of your brother, of another person. You don't try to take advantage of them. You know, a, a farmer who has a cow get through a fence and wander into the neighbor's field, it's not okay for his neighbor to just keep that cow. He needs to take it back to the, fa- to, the, to the farmer who owned it. Or maybe give him a call and say, hey, your cow's over in my field. I just want you to know. Maybe you didn't realize he had gotten out. You'd, you know, come get him. And so we need to recognize our responsibility toward one another. You shall do the same with his donkey, and you shall, and and you, and so shall you do with his garment. With any lost thing of your brother's which he has lost, and you have found, you shall do likewise. You must not hide yourself, and don't take advantage. Don't do something that is just towing the line without with outright theft. You should not see your brother's donkey or his ox fall down along the road and hide yourself from them. You shall surely help him, help him lift them up again. So help one another. Be there for one another. A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all who do so, do we see this today? in our land, in our country? Oh, it's not only excused, it is lauded, it is complimented, it is honored. And not just by somebody in the same family, it is, we're talking about by our government officials, by people who are supposed to be leaders in our culture. In fact, they're pushing certain uh, such things today. And I think that's an apt description. A woman shall not wear anything that pertains to a man, nor shall a man put on a, a woman's garment. For all who do so, this is not my word, this is God's word, are an abomination to the Lord your God. Huh. an abomination to the Lord your God. Interesting. Well, let's drop down to verse 13. And Moses lists some other laws of sexual morality. And boy, do we need some lessons on sexual morality in our country today. Verse 13, Deuteronomy chapter 22. If any man takes a wife and goes into her and detests her and charges her with shameful conduct and brings a bad name on her and says, I took this woman and when I came to her, I found she was not a virgin. Then the father and mother of the young woman shall take and bring out the evidence of the young woman's virginity to the elders of the city. The young woman's father's uh, young woman's father shall say to the elders, I gave, I gave my daughter to this man as wife and he detests her. 
Now he is charged with shameful conduct, saying, I found your daughter was not a virgin. Then the elders of that city shall, bring, shall take that man and punish him, and they shall fine him 100 shekels of silver and give them to the father of the young woman because he has brought a bad name on a, on a virgin of Israel. And she shall be his wife. He cannot divorce her all his days. Oh boy, divorce is almost as commonplace as marriage in our land today. And that's a shame. But if the thing is true and evidences of virginity are not found for the young woman, then they shall bring out the young woman to the door of her father's house, and some men of her city shall stone her to death with stones, because she has done a disgraceful thing in Israel to play the harlot in her father's house. So you shall put away, so you shall put away the evil from among you. Again, aren't you glad we don't live in that day under that particular law? But what is the point again? Emphasizing evil and putting it away. Teaching the people that this is not something that is okay. But we don't, we just, we don't even give it a wink and a nod anymore. It's just, so-and-so moved in together with so-and-so. Oh, wow, congratulations. Young woman has a baby out of wedlock. Hey, let's throw her a big shower. And, and let's, let's just, you know, have a good time, a party. We need to be supportive, but we also need to teach God's word. Thankful again, we don't live under that particular law today. But the gospel of Christ does not excuse wicked behavior and sexual immorality. We're going to stop at this point because it's a good place to just take a break. And we'll pick up with some more laws that Moses lays out, reminds the people of Israel of as they were about to cross the Jordan River and start the conquest of the Promised Land. Now, the lesson that we need to get from this is that God does not give a wink and a nod to evil, to wickedness, to sinfulness. God wants us to live righteous lives before him. And he has given us his word to guide us in that righteousness. When we disregard his will for our lives along those lines, then we're putting our souls in jeopardy. Now we think about the young the young boy there who is said because of his disrespectfulness on an ongoing basis to his parents being stoned to death, or a young woman who comes into a marriage relationship and she is impure sexually, being stoned to death. We say, that's harsh, that's unloving, that's cruel, that's barbaric, that's brutal. Now, wait a minute. Those were the laws given by God to his chosen people at that time. And the point was to be, God does not excuse sin when it is continued to be lived in without repentance and proper seeking of forgiveness. Sin is not okay. 
But we want everything to be excused today. Through Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven of our sins, whatever they might be. God is just to forgive us of our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1, the last few verses of that chapter. Saul of Tarsus was a, an enraged enemy of Jesus Christ and the church. He hunted down Christians and tried to intimidate them, manipulate them, force them to blaspheme the name of Christ and to renounce their Christianity. And in a number of cases, he voted for their execution. But he saw the light. He saw the error of his way, and he repented. And when Jesus sent a Christian man, Ananias, to teach him the gospel, ultimately Ananias said, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Acts 22 and verse 16. God wants to forgive, but he's not going to excuse wickedness when we don't seek his forgiveness, when we don't change our lives. He promises us in 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13 that he will never let us, as we're walking with him as Christians, He'll never let us be confronted by temptation that is so overwhelming that we can't say no. In fact, the middle of that verse says God is faithful. He'll always make the way for us to say no, to overcome the temptation. He'll be there with us as long as we're always walking with him in faithful obedience. But when we turn into a lifestyle of sinfulness, you see the lesson from the Old Testament law of Moses to us in the Christian age today living under the gospel of Christ is, is the same. In essence, God holds us accountable for our sin. Now, in those cases and in a number of other cases, the judgment was execution. Our living in sin without repenting and seeking, our, seeking forgiveness through Jesus Christ leaves us facing eternal condemnation in hell. And that's a whole lot worse than being physically executed. We're all going to die. But after this, the judgment, the last few verses of Hebrew chapter 9. We need to pay attention. As a nation, as a culture, we need to wake up. And we need to turn to God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for loving us. Thank you for sending your son to the cross to die, to pay the price for the guilt of our sins. Thank you for making the way for us to be able to come to you for forgiveness, redemption, salvation, eternal life through him as we're baptized into him for the remission of our sins. Praise, glory, honor, and thanks be to you, Father. 
help us, guide us to accept those blessings. Please forgive us, gracious Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.